I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. (laughs) I'm already (laughs) losing it. Happy Monday. It is September 13 that we're recording this for release on the 20th. Um... I'm gonna be honest. I'm I'm not in a great like comedy <laughs> podcast mood right now. <laughs> I just dug deep for that welcome back. I know that's why I was laughing. I was like, "Who is this Brittany? That's not who I've been talking to the last five minutes." <laughs> so Nia and I jumped on um, a little bit early, as we do before we start recording, and it was just like wah wah. <laughs> The whole conversation. And I was like, wow, this is going to be a really awesome opener for the podcast. And we're like, you know what? It's reality. There's up days. There's down days. Let's just embrace it. Let's do it. Let's Um, fucking do it. Let's fucking do it. So here we are. We are doing it. Um, I'm exhausted. How are you feeling, Nia? Oh, yeah. I hit exhaustion about five days ago, so I don't know what's, like, even worse than that, but I'm there. I'm I'm at that yeah. point. It is just so busy. You know, the last thing you said before we jumped on was that this Delta thing was getting you down, and I realized that part of the reason that we're so exhausted, and I'm just thinking through the next couple weeks... It's like everybody is trying to shove shit into this month. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Before, like, while we can still do stuff outside. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we get our first snow here, which really could be any day, though, we're having this, like... Record-breaking rage, heat. Awesome. Raging summer. Yeah, this never-ending summer of 90-degree weather. Um, And then what's going to happen? We're all going to, like, hibernate <laughs> for four months. <laughs> I can't wait. I was I know. I was thinking about the early days of the pandemic where it was all like, yeah, people are dying, but we're making sourdough. Like, <laughs> could we go back to that for a little bit? Cuz like people are still dying and it's like real bad because like now there's human choice involved in that whole death spiral. Um but yeah, just like the simpler days of Tiger King and oh. banana bread, mm-hmm. <laughs> organizing pan- pantries. Mm-hmm. I did all these, all these things yep. I have done. Yeah, I hear you. And now we're just like still trying to charge forward as if it's not happening. And like, can we be as productive as we were pre-pandemic <laughs> while there's still a pandemic? But we're going to no. pretend it's not happening. No. Stop it. It's just cognitive dissonance. It just does not make fucking sense at all. No. Well, and I think for me, so much of it came back into focus like a week ago when we got our mask made. I can't even talk. I can't even fucking talk. (laughs) When our mask mandate went back into place. And you're like, oh, fuck. This is really where we're at right now. Yeah. 18 months in. Awesome. How about this? How about this? So um, you're going to appreciate it. This morning, I'm sitting on the couch, not motivated, right? Um, a little pissed off because Gabriel ordered groceries and forgot coffee, and I'm the only coffee drinker in the house right now. 
So I'm having to make do with some Earl Grey. Oh, no. Which, I mean, no, I love the Earl Grey, but I feel like Mm -mm. I need like five sachets to get me my one cup of coffee, Mm -hmm. right? And I hear him on a um, call, and he's part of this um, upcoming conference. And they're having the whole conversation of whether they should have it. And, like, whether they should require masks and whether it should be virtual and whether they can still have things outside and whether they can, like, uh, require vaccinations. (laughs) And I'm just like, hello, do you not know what I do for a living? Literally no clue. Like, do you not know that I am on top of all this shit? Like, why have you not even just asked me? I'm right here. (laughs) I could help you. Oh my god! I can god. help you. I, I finally was like, you know what? They're government workers. Just let them figure it out. They're gonna need to probably fund a study <laughs> so that they can figure out what to do, and then they'll be able to implement it in six to eight months' time. Oh, it was so funny. I was like, he has absolutely no idea what my conversations consist of every day, all day, every day, <laughs> all day, every day. <laughs> god damn. Of all the things we talk about, like, he, he never once thought to be like, hey, so I have this event coming up. Do you have any advice on this? <laughs> what do you think? You do events yeah. sometimes. Ugh. You have one happening the same exact day. Oh. What are you doing for yours? It's going to be a rough day in the Wilson house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> There's, like, so much more about that, too. I need to tell you afterwards. But... <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, things are colliding. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Well, funny, speaking of husbands, mine got called home early from his fire because there just wasn't anything happening. But he's still like on. Oh, are all the fires gone? Yeah, they're done. Fire season's over. <laughs> no, so he get, he's still like on call. So he has to go to the base and they just sit around all day. And so it's so funny because he's gone, you know, 12 to 14 hours every day, but he's just sitting around. For probably at least 10 of those hours. Mm. And I am running around like a chicken with my fucking head cut off. And so I was like, you know, it'd be really great if there, like, as I'm thinking through things, if there are things that don't require you to be here that you could help me with. Mm. Yeah, totally. So yesterday, I'm like, oh, I wanted to get this thing for my grandma. Um, It's a hose that we have. It's super lightweight. I thought it'd be great for her. I was like, hey, could you go and order that hose for my grandma? He gets as far as putting it in the Amazon cart and can't take it across the line because he doesn't know how to send other people things on Amazon. I, well, like, what is that? I, like, what, he can buy stuff for us all day long, but he doesn't know how to select a different address from the address book she is programmed in. Okay, so I don't, this is not supposed to be a shit on husband's episode at all. But sometimes it happens. He's absolutely going to kill me if he knows that. Thank Good thing my husband doesn't listen. I was going to say, thank God neither of our husbands listen to this. They don't listen to this. But that's hysterical and so reaffirming because (laughs) (laughs) because my My husband ordered something for himself from Amazon and he was like, where is it? Where is it? I don't understand. Where is it? And so I finally went in and tracked it 
and he sent it to my cousin who just had a baby. <laughs> and I was like, why are you sending protein powder to my cousin <laughs> in Ohio? And he's like, what are you talking about? And because that was the last right. thing sent in Amazon, it defaulted to her address and he didn't notice. And so he'd been waiting for weeks for this, like, special <laughs> protein powder. And so then I called my cousin. She was like, we were wondering, like, who sent this to us? But my husband was super stoked to get it. So he's been using it. <laughs> oh, my God. Then, uh, did you then show Gabriel how to check the fucking order status? Yes. Good and God. how to change the address. Yeah. I know. Well, it just goes to show that. I do 99.9% of Amazon shopping. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I was just going to like maybe throw in a screw Jeff Bezos, but I didn't know how to weave that in. Oh, don't worry. We've got some opportunities for that coming up. Hold, hold oh. on to that thought. <laughs> Oh, great. Well, I'm so excited. We have our listener episode today. But before we do. Today, we have Monday Jokes with Listeners. Because this is a joke sent in from a listener. Oh my gosh, I love it. And it's so perfectly timed. I don't know if you're following like on TikTok and stuff. InSync and Backstreet Boys are back, but they're collaborating. Really? I like, a me- like a mega, mega boy band? Basically. Um, Justin Timberlake isn't part of it, but that's fine. Mm. But I think it's so interesting because I, I don't know. Were you too old for the Backstreet Boys InSync thing? Um, that's mean, and no, (laughs) that was totally uncalled for, and, uh, well, I was a new kids on the block. Does that make me old? That's old. Yeah, that's older. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, we'll just pretend, you know, you were young and hip with it during NSYNC Backstreet Boys. Which one were you? Like, which Which side? No, no, no. Which side? You had to be one or the other. Oh, um, not NKOTB. Okay, uh, then I would have to pick Backstreet Boys. Oh. Why? I was fully in sync, 100%. Okay. Well, I was neither because I was in high school. Because you were too old. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I am a JT fan, though. I mean, I love me some Justin Timberlake. Well, I was a big fan of Lance Bass. Um, oh, uh-huh, in InSync, uh-huh. who has later come out as gay, which of course he did. Um, mm-hmm. But perfect segue because Lance is really just like not a super common name these days. Like I can't, I yeah, I know a Lance, but I can think of like one or two, and one of them was like Lance Bass, Lance Armstrong. Yeah, it, yeah. But you know, if you think like back to the medieval times, people were called Lance a lot. Wow, that was a lot of buildup for that one. You took me on a journey to get to that destination. (laughs) Wow. Well, thank you, listener. Whoever you are, you really worked with Nia to get her to deliver that in the most profound way. You know, we were both in a bad mood. I knew I needed to step up the game today. And it worked. A journey is where it's at. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's hysterical. Uh, before we jump into the topic at hand, this is like nonprofit news. Have you seen 
the ads and the fallout for the activist TV show. Yes, I was going to bring that up to you. Oh my God. Oh my Usher, God. what are you doing? Okay, folks, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google The Activist. I think it's a CBS show. It's a reality show. And they're going to essentially pit these activists against each other. It's like Shark Tank. Yeah. For... Social chairs. causes. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. It is absolutely awful. Of course, Vu got in there before we could. And his yeah. whole blog today is about other shows that should be non-profified. Um, and it's hilarious. But... This show is awful. People are boycotting it. They're sending letters about how it's just like the lowest of the low in terms of social change. I mean, it really represents everything that we're fighting to change. Yes. It absolutely is. Uh, well, we'll see what um, what ends up happening with that. Yeah, stay tuned. I love Usher, though. That, that was more that. like your time frame? That was more my time frame, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I don't know many people named Usher. Yep. You win there. <laughs> you can leave that one. <laughs> okay. So, Lister episode. They sent some emails mm-hmm. in. What are we starting off with? So this was actually a follow-up to our last listener episode, and I just think this is Ooh, great. Um, like a part two? It is. So we told a story. Um, a, a listener had wrote in asking about getting more involved in grants. Her ED didn't want her to, like, take on grants. Um, so in response, she says, wow, I feel like a celeb. Thank you for taking the time to respond so thoughtfully and answering my questions on your latest episode. I've looked into some grant classes and workshops and plan to ask for copies of the current grants at my mid-year review. Yay. Nice. Update. I have an interview with a foundation next week, and your podcast is really helping me to prepare. So even if I don't get that growth and experience through my current job, I have some options. Thank you both so much. Ooh, I love it. It's a good one. Well, here's the thing. It is um, a job seekers market right now. Holy hell it is. Holy hell. Like to the point that I want to do another episode just about that. Um, But there are a lot of options out there. Yeah. I mean, especially for folks who have done fundraising before, like you're set for life. Well, not for life, but for now. Yeah, you can really like choose, Mm -hmm. like be... Pick and choose um, and ask the tough questions and be the interviewer yourself Mm -hmm. for these different organizations. Yeah. Um, Actually, one of my friends was just saying um, she's been interviewing and they had a a pretty, you know, clear, this is the salary, these are the benefits, right? Like not a lot of negotiation around that. And she's, so she went in and she said, well, the one thing I really do need to negotiate on is I need a Mac. I'm... I haven't used a PC in two decades. I don't have the time and energy to learn how to use a PC. I need a Mac computer. And they said yes. Wow. How amazing is right? that? Good for her. No. Ask for what you need. Ask for what you need. Yes. Set yourself up for success. Oh, gosh, that's so cool. I'm, like, thinking about um, colleagues that I have that just want an external camera for their laptops so that they can do Zoom calls. By colleagues, do you mean you? 
Well, not me. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, And then we have one other follow-up from our last episode. Um, So we told a really great story about um, a capital campaign and a donor came in, wanted to give, but then also got his mother involved and just like how amazing of an experience that was. Um, What I didn't realize is that the daughter-in-law of that donor is a listener. That's right. You put that together for me. So um, she said, I just listened to the episode. I can't wait to replay it for my mother-in-law. You nailed it. Family philanthropy is where it's at. And then um, a couple weeks later, she said, we played the podcast for um, my mother-in-law. Everyone is in tears. Thank you so much. Aww. That's so great. I know. I love that. Um, I told a story on this podcast about how I was, um, I think it was the one where I was left at a rest area when I was 15. (laughs) Yeah. And my mom called me laughing hysterically, being like, I can't believe you told that story. I had to play it for your dad so that he could hear it too. So I love when we can bring joy to people's lives. I was expecting the other thing because I've gotten the call from my parents of like, I listened to the podcast. That's not what happened, Nia. Oh. <laughs> wow. My dad feel did, I think, felt like <laughs> felt like I was putting him on blast and there was a little bit of public shaming. But um, I don't know if it was that one or the story about how we eat squirrel at Thanksgiving. Oh, God. That one. I forgot about that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Just what I needed on a Monday morning. Uh, okay. So the lighthearted ones are past. You ready for this? Uh-oh. Here we go. Subject line is just Karen. Oh. I wouldn't be surprised if you heard me laughing and cackling all the way from Oklahoma as I was listening to your episode on board members behaving badly. The in-kind episode was also a gem, and I love sending your podcast to my fellow ED friends. I was hired in as a CEO under a Karen board chair, and it almost mm-hmm. made me quit. Last night, she finally completed her term as board chair and rolled off the board, and I could not be happier. It was truly all of the things you said from toxic to micromanaging and getting into the weeds to supporting us with a large financial gift that was hung over my head to being an entitled white woman. She took it upon herself in my first 30 days to have me sit down with the most difficult staff member and acted as a mediator between us. She would show up in the office unannounced and try and gather damaging comments about me from my staff. It truly was her horrific. She was so mad at me, she lowered her annual gift by 95%. I'm happy to say I was able to make that up with other gifts, but she was not only damaging to the staff, but also prevented us from fulfilling our mission, which was truly the horrific part. I have a strong personality, and I don't back down easily. I shudder to think how she would have run, run over someone else. <sighs> Boof. I know it just breaks my heart and you know what um while you were reading that it jogged my memory of a dream that I had this morning (laughs) I didn't realize this was a dream podcast do it yeah so well I had a dream um and you know like when you wake up in the morning and you're like oh I've got five more minutes I'm just gonna close my eyes and then you go like so deep Mm -hmm. 
And next thing you know, it's 20 minutes later and you're like, holy cow, what happened? Mm -hmm. And you probably would have been better off getting up like earlier, you know, Mm -hmm. because now you're like even groggy. But sometimes in those times you have the, um, the most intense dreams. And I was yelling at my... CEO, but not like present day. Yeah. Like, I don't know who the like person was. Like a figurative was. CEO. Yeah. A figurative CEO. Because she was letting the board dictate um, staffing. Oh. And I was saying, don't you realize this is not, this is not what they do. Like, you can make this decision on your own. It's not up to them. Why are you giving them the power mm-hmm. for this? This isn't a governance thing. This isn't like a fiscal responsibility thing. This is an operations thing. And that's where you're in charge. So you need to be making this decision. Mm -hmm. And then I woke up. (laughs) Whoa. I know. It's like total work stress dreams. Yeah. I mean, but that's genuinely like what boards do. I was talking to an ED friend of mine this weekend and she was saying like, this is her first time as an ED. She's been a development director a few times over and she was like, I didn't realize like the weight of the organization being on me, like what what that would do, plus then the board dynamics. Yeah. I'm stressed out all the time. I'm not sleeping well. I'm having dreams about it. And that's not like who I normally am. But this is what happens. It is so it's, stressful. It's so stressful. And, you know, I was talking to a client the other day. And she has all this disruption happening and same kind of thing, like just so much stress, like, well, what happens if this happens? And Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I'm afraid that, you know, if I leave, this would happen and blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, where's your board? Why isn't your board helping you? Well, they're, they're too burnout. So they're disengaged. Well, no, but where's your board chair? I really feel like you should talk to your board chair. You can't do this alone. This shouldn't be on your shoulders alone. Yeah, but I'm afraid if I talk to them about this, then they're going to use it against me. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And say I'm incompetent. Mm -hmm. It's just so broken. Yeah. It really, really is. Well, I I was having another conversation this weekend with two just killer, kick-ass women of color in leadership roles. And uh, they were telling me about their board struggles. And there's a lot that I can't share, but it just made me think again that like boards are so fundamentally broken and we need to blow up the structure. Um, Like I started talking to them about this concept I keep kicking around of like, what would a community centered board look like? How, how could that be like a much more transformative kind of experience? How do we enact something like that? Um, Because the, you shouldn't have board members putting an executive director in the situation, holding gifts over their head, mediating between staff. I mean, all of this, it's exactly what we talk about all the time. It's somebody with too much power yep. who has allowed it to go to their head, and now they are trying to control everything because they are losing that power. Well, so interesting. So that listener um, listened to our Boards Behaving Badly episode, but – now, since then, we've done the whole other series of mm-hmm. how to retain and vet and um, identify board members. And then um, also that last episode on how to get rid of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here it sounds like um, this board member that they're talking about was there for a long time and really 
did some damage. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm sure. Let's see. She emailed me in June. So I'd be curious yeah. to hear, like, what the picking up of pieces have been like there since. Yeah. Like, what has reestablishing board culture look like? How have they attempted to get past this and maybe even address some of the structures that allowed this to happen? Um, because let's be clear, this isn't just one board member doing this. It's one board member doing this and the rest of the board letting them. Exactly. Oh, that's a good yeah. quote. I should pull that mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a hashtag. That's a, that's a long hashtag. It's a long one. It's a long one, but it says a lot. <laughs> it packs a punch. <laughs> <laughs> it hits home. Okay. Okay, so this is, I think, our furthest away email we've ever gotten. Um, and oh, Is it another country? Is it Bermuda? No, it's Switzerland. Oh. No. Are you... I know. I'm going to read it to you. I'm not lying. (laughs) We got an email from someone listening in Switzerland. Yes. Yes, we did. And then they even took the time to write something. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. Brittany, we're a big deal. I don't know if you know this. (laughs) We're a big deal. (laughs) I forget. I forget how big of a deal we are. (laughs) So the subject line is Amazon. Amazon. Amazon slash Bezos episode. Oh, yeah. Hi, Nia and Brittany. I just listened to this episode of your podcast and first just want to say thank you for talking about this issue. I have so many thoughts on the topic. For the past six years, I've lived in Switzerland while continuing to work with American nonprofits. I've learned so much living here and the contrast between the Western European model of the social safety net and the American over-reliance on the nonprofit sector and philanthropy is striking. It's appalling to me that by not fairly taxing the wealthy and corporations and not providing universal health care, the U.S. government creates a multitude of social problems that they then rely on the wealthy to solve, from which they benefit greatly both in profits and increased social standing. Mm -hmm. I also can't help noticing in my work that the people offering the quote-unquote solutions are primarily white men, with white women doing the actual work in foundations, and the recipients of this charity – are primarily people of color, with white women doing the actual work in nonprofits. The solution is so painfully obvious and simple, is it not? Anyway, that's my outsider-insider perspective. Thanks for the opportunity to share that out. Oh, and about Amazon Smile, and can we talk about Facebook giving too? Yes, it's a great opportunity to educate board members and maybe introduce the concept of cost-benefit analysis and time studies and fundraising strategies. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Do you know that person? No. Mm-mm. We don't even know them. I know they follow us on social media because I've seen their profile, but that's it. That just made my day. Uh, what a very thoughtful email. And I love their perspective. The fact that they're American, but now working abroad, mm-hmm. but still working with American companies, and then... S- seeing that difference yeah well and it's it's something because we've kind of hit on it without going like full socialist um okay maybe we've gone full socialist but yeah, i mean don't you have haven't you been called with a lefty socialist nut job nut job that yeah. was it i forgot that last part um but it this is this is the reality of like government structures and how we talk about like the interplay between taxing and government services and nonprofits. This is how the U.S. was set up, was like helping people was secondary. 
to having a strong market and having capitalism. And now we see that coming to fruition in all of these awful, awful ways. I shouldn't say now. I mean, we've seen this forever. I mean, look at the Industrial Revolution and how we had like children working in (laughs) factories and, you know, we have a long history of that. But from our current lens, we know that it's, it's broken. It's fundamentally broken. It's not actually serving the people who need it the most and who are supposed to be served. And so she's right. Like, let's talk about power structures. Our government, largely controlled by wealthy white men. Yep. Our nonprofits, although they might be run by white women, their boards are still run by wealthy white men. And it's still white people. Yeah. Like, we're still hoarding all of the control over social safety nets. When, as she says, that's not predominantly who's being served because that's not who's marginalized by all of our systems. Exactly. Well, can we take a moment and reflect on the conference we went to last week? Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. It was so good. It was so good. It was so good because there's nothing better than you and I sitting here week after week spouting to each other all of our beliefs, but then actually going to a conference and hearing those beliefs reaffirmed yes. by leaders in the sector. I mean, they're not our, they're not, they're new-ish ideas like within the sector, but they're not clearly not our ideas alone. Right. And so it's just so great to be around like-minded company who's saying the things and speaking to our soul. And I was getting fired up. Oh, yeah. You were getting fired up. Oh my gosh. The the final day keynote was Edgar Villanueva, who we've talked about plenty of times on the show, his book Decolonizing Wealth, amazing. And I've heard him speak, but I think just because we're like grappling with this in such a real way every week, I was hanging on his every word. Yes. I was enthralled with what he was saying and the way he was saying it cuz he's just he's just he cuts to the chase, right? Like there's no equivocating. There's no apologizing. Just This is yep. just what it is, and this is how it should be, and here's how we need to address it. Oh, my God. So good. It was so good. It really was. And I had to leave early, so I missed the tail end of his talk. I can't wait to get the recording. But I went directly into my next meeting talking about him. Yeah. You know, like, oh, my gosh. You should hear this, this man talk. And... I I was inspired. Yeah. And that's really what you hope for when you go to a conference is that, you know, you pick up some great ideas and that ultimately if you get inspired, that's the best. Yeah. One of the concepts that I really love that he talked about that I think is an episode topic for us is donor fragility. Yes. We're going to talk about donor fragility. And then this, um, I got to find it. I wrote it down and I told you about it. So maybe you remember it. Philanthro capitalism Capitalism. Mm -hmm. is that what it was Mm -hmm. um so i saw another speaker who's fantastic who um is involved with uh community-centered fundraising ccf and she started speaking about that too like this um new influx of what she coined philanthro capitalism and um that's all of these rich white men who are saying oh yeah I'll give back and they're creating their own LLCs and they're giving through that and they're not being held to the same standards as a 501c3 and um 
that's just fascinating too. And that goes right back to what our listener story Mm -hmm. is about. I also just got a new book, um, which obviously I have all of the time in the world to read right now. I mean, like, I'm going to get through this today. I still haven't finished the book that I told you about at the beginning of August. But I keep buying them. Anyway, it's... I have so many, so many that I buy. And then I, I know. It's called The Revolution Will Not Be Funded Beyond the Nonprofit Industrial Complex. Mm. Oh, my God. I'm so... It, it's really like a collection of essays on nonprofit sector, philanthropy, all of that. Um, but it's... I think it's going to shake some things loose. We should do... We should have a book club. Girlfriend, when do we have time for a book club? I know, we don't. This is like hashtag podcast goals. So in the future, when we've somehow um, figured out how to do life and still have time for these other things, we should do a nonprofit reframe book club. Great. Everybody mark your calendars. 2026, the nonprofit reframe (laughs) (laughs) book club. But I want to go back to this listener um, email. How have we not talked about Facebook giving? She's right. We really haven't covered it. And it's absolute fucking bullshit. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know it's true. It is bullshit. And I will say, I'm just going to push back a little bit. I've used it in my campaigns where it's worked. Oh, that, yeah, it works. That's a, that's not the point. Yeah, but in Amazon Smile, you don't actually get really that much money. Right. In Facebook, you can you can get a considerable amount of money, but the platform and the way they've like held on to donors' information and you don't have access to it, so you can't actually form a relationship with them. Right, all that's bullshit. Yeah, it's transactional fundraising. It's yeah, we'll get the dollars yeah. in, but we're not actually going to be growing a movement. For sure, for sure, yes. And now they, you know, they have it where y- you have your different giving platforms, your peer-to-peer fundraising software that then plugs in mm-hmm. to Facebook because it's like Facebook co-opted giving on Facebook. I know that sounds weird, but it's like before people would just post their own fundraisers with a link and then you would yeah. go there. But now that it's embedded in the platform and people are, that's like the easy thing for people to do, that is what people tend to do more of. And so now you're like, well, if we don't do that, then we miss out because... I don't know. Yeah. No. Does that make sense? It totally does. Okay. And I think the people who are using it, it's so often, like, I'm seeing board members, volunteers, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, I'm doing this great thing. And I'm like, yeah, it's actually not that great. And we have to move it to another platform because this doesn't make sense. And and I, I just or feel when, bad. Or they use it and they're like, well, so did you get in touch with my friend Susie? She gave through my Facebook oh, yeah. campaign. I'm like, I don't have Susie's information. What are you talking about? No. I, I know that Susie gave. I have no email. I have no address. I have nothing for Susie. Yeah. Susie claims that she never got a, th- a thank you. Yeah, she wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Not my fault. <laughs> Uh, it makes it so much harder on us. Why does it make it so much harder on us? Yeah. And I know they get a cut, right? Like they embed with their processor. A hundred percent. So they get a cut. A hundred percent. I do love fundraising on Facebook, though, and seeing who gives. Yeah. 
Because it'll be the most random people. So random. Like you haven't talked to him in 30 years. And I, <clears throat> because I'm a, you know, just somebody out there supporting philanthropy as much as I can and people engaging, I give to him all the time. I give to him all the time. I gave to like my college roommate's boyfriend a few years exactly. ago. Exactly. <laughs> because you're like, good on you. Yeah. Good on you for doing a birthday fundraiser. I'm going to support that. Exactly. You, That's- you're you out there training service dogs. Totally I want to give to that organization. That is positive reinforcement. Yeah. What do you ever do with your degree? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let's catch up. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so true. Uh peer to peer fundraising. Have we even done an episode on that? No. Is is this episode actually just us talking through potential future <laughs> episode topics? Well, hey, if we can uh kill two birds with one stone, never like that saying, but you know what I mean. I know it is kind of awful. It's awful. Oh, one last thing. Okay. Before we wrap up, that has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Uh-huh. Or nonprofits. Mm-hmm. But it has to do with you, Nia Wasink, and your love of cats. Did you see the cat at the baseball game? Oh, of course. That was hanging uh-huh. and then was caught by the American flag? Yeah. I thought of you all the way. <laughs> were you so scared when it dropped? Of course. Oh, my God. And were you so excited that an American flag caught it? A hundred percent. I was more excited when the husband was like, well, my wife is the real hero because she's the one that brings an American flag to every baseball game. (laughs) Give credit where credit's due. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, I just to wrap on this topic, though. This is the real issue. Like so much of what we're talking about are little tweaks and... The system is fundamentally flawed. Yep. And I so appreciate the, like, European comparison perspective because, like, we just see things so differently in America. And we think, like, this is the way it's supposed to be. Like, of course we have homelessness. Like, that's just how it is. But we don't have to. I would love to learn more about fundraising in general um, in other countries. Mm-hmm. And what that looks like, um, you know, because my my assumption based on her email is that in Europe, these, A, there's not as much of a need for nonprofits, and that those that are there and serving maybe don't have as much of their budget that they need to fundraise for. Oh, yeah. I bet they're because, way less dense. Right. For sure. So it would be interesting to see what their revenue makeup is. In comparison to both overall taxation, but also corporate taxation. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. Well, hmm. Let's put it on the list. Yeah. As soon as I get my research intern, we'll get right on it. <laughs> <laughs> but also, this is episode like 91. We are counting no, it, it down to 100, folks. We are almost frickin' there. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. And we have a lot planned. And when I say a lot planned, meaning um, we haven't really talked about it yet or planned it, but we will have something planned for our 100th episode. It's going to be amazing. I was like, did I miss that meeting? Like, we don't even have anything planned for the event we're emceeing tomorrow, much less our anniversary party in two months. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) 
Um, if you have ideas on what we could do for our hundredth episode, please let us know. We would uh, welcome the idea generating. Um, and I just love doing these listener episodes. Keep keep, keep them coming. In. We love to hear, yeah. yeah, we love to hear from you. I find out that we have listeners in Switzerland that were international role models. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No. Um, how can they do that? You, Where should they send it? You can email us nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at nonprofitreframe. And please support your local nonprofits. Give and give generously. Thanks, folks. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.